Alright, this is where we're about to get real deep. It's Barkley trying to bounce it. And does escape. Saquon Barkley in the clear. Still going. Saquon Barkley all the way to the end zone. Electric. 79 yards. Welcome to another episode of the Stayos Podcast. I'm Chris, and as usual, I got Jordan. What's going on, everybody? So today, Jordan, we saw the NFL schedule get released. Uh, have you seen anything that stood out to you? Well, just keeping it at home base, man. Uh, I think the Bears uh, are in for not a treat, but a trick. Because... Uh, they start off their season playing against their most hated rivals, the Green Bay Packers. And it, it doesn't seem like it's get, it gets any better from there. You know, you got the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Bucks, and the Patriots two weeks later. I mean, it doesn't really scale off to any really bad team. So uh, this is going to really, in my opinion, test uh, to see where they're at with this new regime, the new offense, the new playmaking, the new coach, everything. Uh, which I'm pretty excited about to see. Yeah, it should be interesting. I uh, always look forward to seeing things, especially uh, what we've had promised apparently from Matt Nagy and his staff. But one thing, man, is um, I'm not big on the roster, you know, rather the seasonal predictions uh, when, they, when they drop the schedule because, to be quite honest, man, we don't know the shape of about 80% of these teams. Uh, free agency still going on. The NFL draft is coming. Um, that that's going to affect the direction of a lot of teams. Uh, you know, by the time some of these games come up, injury reports and uh, veteran cuts are going to take place. You even saw one today. Brandon Marshall got released. So uh, the... <laughs> that was a funny one because he played himself. He did. He did. Uh, the old Des Bryant saga going on like what we discussed last week, and uh, I guess looking out for his own spot, he said, well, we don't need Daz. We good. The next day, he's taking his name down off his locker. Yeah. Hey, somebody going to be happy that they got him. I mean, if he does actually go to, say, uh, uh, New York Giants, that's a nice little squad, man. If OBJ stays and Daz is there, you got Evan Egram. Shep, they, they might be doing something. Then they got the number two pick. Get Saquon in there. Mm. Mm. But you still have an aging and perhaps a, uh, a scarred Eli Manning. He got benched last year uh, to the detriment of his consecutive start streak uh, that he mm. treasured yeah. a bit. So uh, who knows how. Uh, Eli is going to come back. Uh, he's a little long in the tooth as well. So uh, the Giants, yeah. it, it would it would make for interesting football, but the Giants have a, a few more holes to plug 
than just uh, who's going to play receiver opposite maybe Odell Beckham. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that uh, I think Eli still has it in him. I mean, if if you still have that competitive drive, you're a competitor. Uh, you know, you're going to come back strong. Yeah, I mean, if I was in his shoes, and because uh, I believe he he was okay with the uh, benching, right? He didn't care about the streak. I mean, I, I I don't know. You know, players see a lot of things, right, in the media. You know, and it's, it's for the especially as a quarterback for the sake of team unity. But you know, I mean, as as a person, I mean, that would that would eat at me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, he could be completely angry inside. But, hey, sometimes that, that also brings out motivation, you know. Perhaps over the offseason he, he, you know, honed in his skills a little bit or something. I, I'm not sure what, what he's been up to. But I kind of liken it to uh, Big Ben. You know, Big Ben kind of had a little bit of a fall off. He was even contemplating, you know, Maybe it's time for me to just hang the cleats up. But uh, that was pretty much a, a, a that 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 didn't make any sense because he still got it. He still had some skills. And then you look at the team around him. That's why I think if they do uh, bring in some offensive firepower to that Giants team, that could probably hide some of the the fall off of uh, of Eli Manning. Yeah, he's 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 up in in age, but uh, I don't think he's he's doesn't have anything left in the tank. I think he's still got a little bit of game left, maybe a year or two. It's very possible. Um, as we continue to look at the regular season, uh, interesting seasonal kickoff game is uh, Thursday. That first Thursday night game, Falcons at Eagles. Now those are two teams that I feel, for the most part, uh, you're going to see a continuance of what you've seen over last season. Those are two teams that I think might continue to be consistent going into this season, mm. uh, as opposed, you know, to, to 80 85% of the league, which is going to have some slight, you know, turnover. But uh, Falcons-Eagles should be an interesting matchup to start the season. And, of course, we talked about, Bears-Packers, that first Sunday night game uh, on NBC. Uh, that should be an exciting one. Um, it's the return of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm not looking forward to that man putting on his cape. But, uh, I mean, it, it'll be a nice one. You know what? Going back to the Falcons and uh, Eagles matchup, man, I – I just think that ever since they, they had that dreadful loss in the Super Bowl, they haven't been the same. Uh, I think the Falcons, yeah, they're going to be good. Fast-paced, top defense. Uh, Matt Ryan is still a beast. Obviously, you got one of the top receivers in the game in Julio. Uh, I mean, Taylor's gone. I think he, he was an underrated part of that offense that brought a different element to the receiving core. Uh I don't know. I, I, I just think Atlanta is going to be mediocre. I, I, and, and I say that in the sense of they're going, they, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it to, to, to where they, they were and they were in a position to win. 
I just think they're going to be one of those teams that's going to constantly fall short. And that's interesting because uh, when I look at the Bears' second game, that Monday night game uh, in Chicago against the Seahawks, I look at the Seahawks in a similar way. Um, yeah. Whatever's going on with them, yeah, Russ is still there, and he's still going to make plays, but that team – that franchise right now is lined up to be a shell of its former self. Uh, oh, losing yeah. a lot, of, you know, they're losing a lot of the key pieces. Uh, Earl Thomas has decided he's not going to hold out, but he's still unhappy uh, with what's going on out there. So you know, he may, even though he may not hold out, he still may, you know, uh, subtly force a trade or force some sort of movement from the Seahawks to get him to a better spot. So, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure about the Seahawks right now in game two against the Bears. And like I say, man, it's, you know, it's all speculation. There, is some, there are some matchups that you look forward to seeing. Um, I'm looking at week nine, and you don't know what direction these teams are going to be in. But I do know I want to see this Sunday night game where the New England Patriots and the Green Bay Packers are playing one another. Yeah. That's going to be nice. That's going to be nice. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come back on dummy. He 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 might he might he might put up some gaudy numbers. Yeah, yeah. And then you know that I was I was doing some some reading, and for all the years they've been in the league and been contemporaries, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have only played against one another once. Uh, what? Only once. It was a game that Aaron Rodgers won. I believe the score was twenty-six to twenty. Um, but you know, if that were to happen, because you know Aaron Rodgers had his share of injuries, and uh, I think he's missed a couple games due to injury uh, and opportunities to play against the Patriots. So if if this matchup does happen, if it does take fruition, and we get a healthy Aaron Rodgers and we get a Tom Brady. Still, uh, somewhere close to to even what we saw last year. I don't think he's he's quite at the top of his game, but somewhere close to where he was last year, and he's still a bona fide top five quarterback in this in this league. Uh, we're in for a treat on national television to see those two match up, and lock horns. Oh, I believe I believe so. I don't think he's past his uh his 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 prime. I still think he's got a. Some years ahead of him. Uh, who did they just get on Green Bay? Didn't they just get somebody for him? Jimmy Graham. Well, Jimmy there, Graham. There you go. And and I think Aaron knows how to utilize him. Jimmy, his career has kind of gone from best tight end to just nah. You know, going to Seattle, I thought was the the worst decision for him uh, playing with Russell Russell Wilson. But uh, now that he's uh, with Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to give him every chance to succeed and shine and do what he's got to do, especially now that Jordy Nelson's uh, gone and went to Oakland. Uh, I think that uh, that could open up some shine for him. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like Jimmy in Seattle either. I didn't think that um, the styles meshed for what Seattle wanted to do per se and for what uh, Jimmy Graham offered. I think he had a – I think he was there four years. I think he out of those four years, he may have had two pretty good ones. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't like the 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 style match. It didn't mesh 
in my opinion. Um, continue to look at the schedule. Uh, I'm checking right now. So we got Jaguars, Cowboys in week six. Um, we got Saints, Vikings, uh, Revenge of the uh, of the Miracle Game, Minneapolis Miracle in week eight on Sunday Night Football. It'll be Malcolm Butler versus the Patriots in week 10. Uh, Malcolm Butler and Deion Lewis both going to the Titans, and they'll have the chance to match up with their former team on week 10. Um, That'll be nice. The Bears play the Lions on Thanksgiving this year. Yeah. It's all – yeah, that – that might be <laughs> – uh, I don't know. I'm – Try to get excited, but eh. Who knows? I'm actually looking forward to uh, seeing Houston at Philadelphia in week 16, uh, the last week. Uh, I want to see what Deshaun Watson uh, has in store coming back from his injury, man, because you already know he had that rookie of the year or offensive rookie of the year tied up in a nice little bow. But uh, I think he's going to come back strong. That that and depending on what's on on the line at that point, that should be an interesting matchup. I'm also interested in seeing what Garoppolo is going to do as a full time starter this year. Mm. He is still undefeated as an NFL starter, but I mean, obviously that's going to come to an end this year. But interesting hey, to see how he goes sixteen and zero. <laughs> that's going to come to an end this year. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I mean, I, I, I will be I will be interested though in, in seeing how successful and consistent he can be over mm-hmm. the course of a sixteen game season when he has that big target on his back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that uh, he definitely has the pieces to succeed, though. I mean, you know, you got Pierre Garcon, Marquise Goodwin is an up and coming name. Yeah, they got some decent pieces on their team, man. Yeah, they have they have some quality pieces. Um, I'm not sure completely about the running game. They have some good young backs, but I don't know if they're going to continue to try to upgrade that. Yeah, because what yeah. left didn't, or rather, he got a uh, he got cut, didn't? Uh, what's his I... name? Yeah, didn't he get cut? I know Hyde. I think he was a free agent. I think Hyde went somewhere. I don't remember oh. exactly where, but he he left. Right. Okay. Yeah. So their running back uh, core is up in the air. Even though they did get Jarek McKinnon, I think that was a nice pickup. And I mean, but that's another piece who has to prove, you know, that they can be. You know, and he may he may not be asked to do that. But to to be the number one back, is he a load back or is he, you know, just a piece of a of a platoon? Um. Well, from from the way he looks, he might need a little bit more meat on the bones. But I feel like he could be a feature back if they run a, a, a particular style of offense. But um, if they do get somebody in there that could be like that three down back and. Goal line back, he might have to split split uh, some some snaps, split some carries with somebody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
But before all of this takes place, before we get into the regular season, as we mentioned, have to get to the NFL draft first, and we are one oh, yes. week away. Now we talk. Yes, bring it on. So let's let's uh, have some local flavor, and then we'll fan out from there. Okay. Uh, the Chicago Bears, the beloved, they pick eighth in this year's NFL draft. Uh, what do you see them doing and or what would you like to see them do with that eighth pick? What would I like to see them do? That's a good question. Well, if they keep the eighth pick, I have three people that I have no argument about them picking. If they pick any of these three people, I will not open my mouth. I will watch the TV screen and say, hmm, all right. We've just upgraded those three people. One, obviously, is Bradley Chubb, top defensive player in the in the draft coming out of college. Now, that's depending on what happens above, you know, the Bears pick. And if all four uh, quarterbacks who have been talked about going before them and maybe some other things happening where Saquon gets picked up above them and then – Quentin Nelson gets picked up and possibly a, a sleeper pick gets picked up like a Minka or something before them. And then Bradley Chubb just so happens to fall to the, the Bears right into our arms. Oh, that would be ideal. However, I don't think that's going to happen. So that's a dream. Um, my second pick that I wouldn't have a problem with, I just mentioned his name is Quentin Nelson. Everybody's talking about how much of a generational uh, – offensive lineman he is at the guard position. Uh, they compared him to some of the best of all time, Hutchinson. And uh, I think that he's going to come right in and solidify that line, which is something that they need, especially after uh, a couple of our guys have been dealing with injuries and getting hurt constantly. Kyle Long is back on the man from all his surgeries, but you know, they, they need to solidify that, that line if they can. So if he's there, no problem with getting that mean streak in Quentin Nelson. Third, I would not mind if they got Minka Fitzpatrick. I think any Alabama product is just top-notch. That, that school seems to always prepare their players, especially the top ones that come in as highly recruited, as, you know – being ready for the next level. And you can tell that Mika Fitzpatrick is a special player. And so I, I, I would not mind seeing him. So those are my three. All good picks, man. All good picks. I love uh, I love Quentin Nelson as a prospect. If he's there at eight, I think you, you jump all over that and you take him. Uh, he's generational, as you pointed out. Uh, a lot of nasty there. You know, you watch him, it's the type of dude that'll that'll take somebody's head off and spit down their neck. So you want that that type of that aggression and that mean streak on your offensive line uh, to clear a path, open holes for your running back, and uh, protect against that interior rush. Right. Um, so I, he he would be on my list of somebody that if they're there at eight, I would I would take in a heartbeat. Uh, I like Tremaine Edmonds, but I think you can get him lower. 
Mm. which gets to my ultimate point. If for whatever reason, one of those top four quarterbacks being Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and Mayfield, if one of those top four quarterbacks are at eight, if I'm the Bears, I look for a trade partner. And mm-hmm. I scare and I scare the living daylights out of them and make them think that perhaps the Miami Dolphins at eleven could go quarterback. Somebody like the Bills, maybe, who have two picks. And tell them, hey, you know, they could go quarterback. Why don't you move up a few picks? Uh, throw us that that twelve. And throw us at 22 or throw us at 12 and an additional second or third. We can get you up here a couple spots to make sure you get that quarterback you're looking for. Yeah. Because do you really think that what you have in that stable over there in Buffalo <laughs> is going <laughs> to, is, is ready to roll? Yeah. I don't think, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, you know what? That that's a very, very good breakdown, and that's exactly probably you know the same thing I would do. I just don't trust Ryan Pace yet. I have not seen him make that type of smart decision. You know, I I, I don't know. I just I I can't see it happening that successfully. But if it does, and you know, he allows Matt Nagy and. Fangio and others to kind of help him out with through, through throughout the process, and they they put their heads together and they can persuade a team that wants to you know go for a quarterback if one of them are up there and still there at eight. Then by all means, hey, if you can get a, a twelve and a twenty one for eight, and somebody who on defense that is really good is still at twelve, and then maybe twenty one, you you get a a, a a Calvin Ridley or a court probably not Calvin Ridley, but a a Cortland Sutton or or a Josh Jackson or something. I don't know. Somebody Josh that's, Jackson. You know, that would be nice. I would be highly, highly uh, surprised and pleased. Josh Jackson, man, if if you can get a lower first-round pick and, and get him at, in a hall, I think you're doing pretty well for yourself. Um, Denzel Ward is rated the top cornerback in this year's draft. Yeah, but I think that when it's all said and done, Josh Jackson may end up being the better of the two uh, when it's all said and done. That's interesting. Okay, Denzel is more athletic. Um, I just wish he had more height. Yeah, because he's like he's what five ten. Yeah, you know he reminds me of uh, the guy the Bears had a few times that actually. Had like a whole bunch of interceptions one year. He wasn't. He was. He was good, but he kind of made a name for himself more so than he probably should have. I can't remember his name. He had braids and dreads, and he was a short dude. Uh, this was about maybe six Vasher, years ago. Vasher. No, not Nate Vasher. I, I know. I know about Vad. No, this dude had dreads. It was a little bit after Vasher, and he had. He, I can't remember his name. No, 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 no. McCorders was before Vasher. This was after Vasher. This is literally maybe 
five, six years ago, back when uh, Jay Cutler was kind of in his first couple of years in, in Chicago, and that defense was really good, and, and Erlacher and Briggs were on their last leg, but he was one of the cornerbacks, and he had a he had a couple of really good seasons. I think he was a Pro Bowler one season. I can't – his face is in my head. I'll get back to you on it because now it's going to eat me alive until I – until I actually come up with the name. But uh, he was opposite Peanut? Yeah, he was opposite Peanut. Hmm. And he had dreads. He was short. But he 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 you know thrived off of just playing real hard. He had decent speed and he was a ball hawk. And and hmm. it, it, it's gonna bother me. The point that I was gonna make about uh, Josh Jackson and 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 uh, you know the quarterbacks. I think that if they do that, that's obviously putting up a challenge against Kyle Fuller and uh, Amukamara. And I think that that might be a healthy competition for them. So I wouldn't mind, you know, if they got a a, a Josh Jackson or Denzel Ward in the first 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 round. But ultimately, if if I if I really wanted it to go down the right way, the way I wanted it to, and this is never going to happen. So again, this is one of my pipe dreams. But let's just say Saquon Barkley falls to number eight. Not going to happen, but I'm just dreaming here. Saquon Barkley falls to eight. I would I would probably push the button on Jordan Howard. Saquon Barkley can do it all. He can catch. He can do, he can block. He obviously has the uh, athletic ability, a generational talent. And I would trade Jordan Howard for whatever I can get. Uh, he probably can get you probably a late first, early second with uh, his, 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 his value in the league right now. But of course, that's a pipe dream. It sure is because there is no way in, on this green earth uh, the Saquon Barkley drops to eight. Yeah. All right. Well, when you you look at who's in front of the Bears, you're looking at Cleveland twice, and they still won't have Barkley when this is all said and done. You have the Giants. You have the Jets. You have the Broncos. You have the Colts, the Buccaneers. All of these teams need a running back. Yeah. Yeah. Although I go ahead. The Broncos just just cut Anderson, right? Yeah. Um, Muscle Hamster's gone (laughs) from Tampa. The Colts haven't had a running back since Joseph Adai. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of them. I mean, Frank Gore, you have a you're you're talking about like post-apocalyptic Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Um, all these teams need a running back. So there's there's no way. Unless Saquon Barkley suddenly commits a felony, and even then, even then, if I'm Cleveland, I take it. I wait for Saquon Barkley to leave prison to play running back for me. What's wrong with you? You say, you say put him on the Ezekiel Elliott plan, huh? Yes, we will wait for you to leave prison. Whatever felony you committed, 
we will wait for you. Yeah, but you know what? I keep hearing some weird things, man. I was listening to the score earlier, bro, and something about Cleveland might devote their first and their fourth to two quarterbacks, which might be smart. I don't I don't know. I don't know how I want to feel about that. That's what I heard. I mean, imagine getting Darnold and Josh Rosen and just letting them duke it out. Now you got two really good quarterbacks on your on your roster, and that's been a position that you've been grappling with for years in your on your in your franchise. And now you've got two cornerstones that can duke it out for supremacy. And then the other one, you can ultimately trade them and get some other nice piece. Uh, so. or, or you could draft Saquon Barkley first because he's the best running back in the last decade to come out of college. Mm. And then at fourth, you take one of the quarterbacks who's bound to be there. Because this draft is said to be five quarterbacks deep. I don't know. I don't know. I think that running back is a luxury, bro. You know, when it comes to the draft, you know quarterback is is tops. I don't think they would – I, I don't see it. I see them picking Saquon Barkley possibly and, and just, you know, snaking everybody if New York doesn't get him at two, at four. But I don't see them picking Saquon first knowing they need a quarterback more. Quarterback is the cornerstone of any any uh, team, any, any NFL team. You know, that's the most important position. And then running back is is the, the, the glorified, you know, luxury. You know, when you know you, 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 you got your quarterback position down pack, okay, well, let's get him a teammate in the back backfield. But uh, I don't know. That, that might be a surprise. You might be right. They might get shocked the world and pick Saquon first. The, the reason I would do that if I'm Cleveland is this. So if you go number one quarterback, it's still one of four guys. No one no one is, is – I mean, it's one of three guys. I don't think Cleveland is sold on Baker Mayfield. So it's one of three guys. It's either Darnold, Allen, or Rosen. Mm-hmm. So let's say you know it's one of three guys. Let's say you take Saquon Barkley first. Because if you don't take Saquon Barkley first, there is a chance the next two teams could take him. But if you take Saquon Barkley first, there's three picks. Well, really two picks and three quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Which means you're going to get one of the guys you want. But if you go all in on quarterback number one, then you're running the risk that you don't see if you go Saquon first, you get your running back and your quarterback guaranteed. If you don't go Saquon, you get your quarterback, but you don't know what you're gonna get after that. That's a good point. But I don't think they have the intelligence that you just had you just uh expressed. Cause uh Cleveland, they always do something dumb. So I I just don't see it. I, I would have to see it in order to believe it. You know, so come next Thursday, if if that's how, it, you know, it, it goes down, kudos to them for thinking like that because that does make sense, you know, because you're, you're, you're guaranteed to get one of the top quarterbacks if you do pick up Saquon first and then at four, 
you just get whoever's left. And, you know, more than likely, they'll still be a, a, a decent, at the very least, quarterback. But I don't know. We'll see. Because if they don't want the pressure, I will gladly, if I'm the Bears, go up and take Saquon Barkley. Yeah. It just depends on it depends on what price you want. I'm not paying that steep a price for somebody that you don't think is good enough to be your main number one pick. Yeah. So I mean, if if you're Cleveland, you take Saquon first, unless you're only sold on two of the quarterbacks, then that changes things. But if you're sold on either of those three, and you take Saquon Barkley, you're gonna get one of the three quarterbacks you want. I know they're not sold on Lamar, and I know they're not necessarily sold on Baker Mayfield. But there's talk that Sam Darnold is definitely in their thought process. Josh Allen is definitely in their thought process. And Josh Rosen is definitely in their thought process. Now, it's being rumored that John Elway isn't enamored with anything after Darnold. Um, So he's shopping that number five pick. Now, that could change some things, but still, it's still the fifth pick. It's after your two picks. There's nothing anyone can do to affect Cleveland's draft. You mm-hmm. do what you want. You go get Saquon, and you get the quarterback you want. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I mean, I, I, I'm totally with you. We're in sync with, with that train of thought. I just, I just with the way the draft has always gone down, running backs don't, don't come off, usually come off the board quicker than quarterbacks, because of the value that's put on that position. But if the strategy, if 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 they have that type of strategy and that type of thinking in that room, in that Cleveland Browns room, and they don't get Cleveland D on us, then that that is the way to go. Because in every every mock I'm looking at, for whatever reason, the Jets are enamored. They are in love with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, he was he was good in college. Put up some gaudy numbers. I just don't think his game translates to the NFL. With quarterbacks, you can be wrong very quickly. I don't see it translating. So I, I got a quick question for you. Does he come off to you as another Johnny Manziel type? Not quite. Um, people can make the comparison because uh, Baker Mayfield is is very overbearing. His personality is very bombastic. He brags a lot. He does, He's done the things uh, on certain levels with the flag and, and school and all that. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's a cocky kid, and that, that could come off as very Manziel. But people forget Manziel was also, like, a drug addict. Yeah. You know, Manziel was a rich kid with a silver spoon who didn't know how to live life other than as a rich kid. Yeah, yeah. So that separates the two. Baker, Baker Mayfield has a lot more hustler, a lot more grinder in him. And I think that'll that'll help him in the NFL. I'm not saying he's going to be a failure, but I'm, I just don't see franchise changing quarterback to the point where if I'm the Jets, I take him number three. 
Okay. Fair enough. I, I just I just wanted to see what you thought about that because that's that's kind of where my mind was going because he he seems to me like he has a little bit of him on the field, not off the field issues and personal issues and drugs and all of that addiction uh, mess that he's dealing with, but uh, just the comparisons on the field, the same type of fire and aggressiveness and cockiness and the style of play. Uh, I, I just saw a little bit of a Johnny Cash in him. So we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how he turns out too. Yeah. Here's my question to you as far as the draft is concerned. Yeah. And this has been, this has been eating me alive. And uh, if we'll discuss some more draft next week and we'll get into it. Um, hopefully we'll have some things set up to get deeper into it. Okay. But here's my question to you. Lamar Jackson. Mm. Um, he had the whole thing with the draft combine where they wanted him to work out as a receiver, as an athlete, so to speak. And he says, I'm a quarterback, you know, plain and simple. Uh, what are your thoughts on how Lamar Jackson's game translates to the next level? You know what, to be honest with you, I feel for him because here it is. I won the Heisman as a quarterback. I'm a dual threat quarterback. Those are more uh, are more valuable than they used to be in, in this league now. And now you're telling me at the drop of a dime, you want me to switch positions for what reason again? Like that that would be utterly disrespectful to me and, and my craft and the work that I put in as a quarterback. I see him as a legit NFL quarterback. You know, I honestly see him as somebody in the right system and with a little bit of experience can can do some things. Kind of in the mode of RG three before he got went went down and got hurt. But RG three put you know set the world on fire when he he was a rookie. He was doing some things. So I think Lamar Jackson, first of all, needs to get his shot as a legitimate quarterback in the league before you can try to change the man's position before he even got a shot. I think that 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 is completely overblown and that that to me that would just be disrespectful and then that would motivate me to just prove everybody wrong like okay I, I you clearly see me as a quarterback and not only am I a quarterback but I was killing in 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 in, in college and at the drop of a dime you tell me I got to try to catch the ball from somebody else now no brother this is what I do I run I I, I throw the ball and I'm good at it. So I, 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 I would I, – I'm, I'm giving a, a, a chance for, for Lamar Jackson. I think he actually uh, needs to get an opportunity before they try to mix and match him because I think back to Denard Robinson out of Michigan. And in Michigan, he was a decent quarterback. Now, he didn't set the world on fire, but, I mean, he, he was a name that everybody knew about when Michigan was doing pretty good. And – and they, they turned him into a wide receiver in the league. You know, I, I think you need to let people stay in their lane, let them get a feel for what they need to do, get them in the right system, and then they can thrive. You know, create the offense around that person and their skill set, just like Houston did with Deshaun, and let them thrive. I see it, man, and it's the double standard. I see the double standard. And you watch – the combine and you look at the reports from all the draft pundits and, and the comparisons 
And you're talking about a kid who put up video game numbers in college. And the Mm -hmm. the things he was doing, it wasn't on chump competition. This dude was in a major conference doing these things. Yeah. Where where you're watching tape of him rolling out, running around, just rifling the ball through the air, leading receivers properly. And then you have the draft pundits who say, well, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't accurate. But you look at someone like um, Josh Allen at Wyoming, who was just as inaccurate against worse competition. Absolutely. You yeah. know, he, he didn't win the big game. But you go and you look at Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. Um, Josh Rosen, these are guys, they weren't in college playoffs either. You know, so, you know, what are you looking at? Then then you see the workout where you get a couple of those highly tied quarterbacks who uh, throw some worm burners, and, you know, we're told to overlook those things. And then when Josh Jackson, not Josh Jackson, I'm sorry. Wow. When Lamar Jackson, rather, I got that cornerback on my brain. When Lamar Jackson does it, you know, we're we're told that it's a, a bad sign, a bad omen. I, I I don't like and this and this stigma has been around the minority quarterback for quite some time. And I think it's it's leaking into the evaluations yet again. I know the kid's fast. I know the kid's athletic. But he can play quarterback. And like you said, Give him a shot there. If that doesn't work, then you make the best of his situation. You know, there's nothing wrong with making this kid the face of a franchise, paying him the the big bucks to be your quarterback of the future. He may need a few years to to get acclimated to an offense. He may not. You know, so, you know, many, many of the same things were said about Deshaun Watson, who's not even as athletic. But many of the same right. things were said. And when Deshaun came out before he got hurt, he was setting the world on fire. Yep. So, you know, it, that is, is, that's what really bugs me about the whole Lamar Jackson thing. And, and I, I wish him well. And I really hope he comes out and makes a lot of the doubters and the naysayers eat their words. Because I love this. I love the kid. I mean, if honestly... I know the Bears have their guy, but if for whatever reason the stigma attached to him drops him into the second round, I wouldn't be opposed to the Bears picking him in the second round. Mm. That's that's that's. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at that. As a as a as a backup, I would not be mad at that. Let him get acclimated to that offense and that Matt Nagy uh, type offense. That's a dual threat quarterback. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if he can turn Alex Smith into a a, a really good quarterback. I I could see that with Lamar too, if uh, something just so happens to Mitch or Mitch doesn't work out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, for the next few minutes, we're gonna get into a NBA playoff update, and uh, oh yeah, we're gonna get into this man because I have some thoughts, and uh, I'm gonna start these thoughts. And I know you do too. 
Um, but I'm going to kick these thoughts off with uh, the Houston Rockets versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, I, have, yeah. I have friends of mine who have disagreed strongly with me, have said this is a hot take, a dumb take, a bad take. But Uh-oh. nonetheless, it's my take. And it's this. Carl Anthony Towns. This is a public service announcement. <laughs> you are six feet, 11 inches. You're over 250 pounds. You are actually the biggest man on the floor. Not just that. You're the biggest man on the floor with incredible footwork. Incredible touch around the basket. And the fact that they call you Cat isn't merely because of your initials. Carl Anthony Towns, get your big butt on the block and dunk on Clint Capella. (laughs) Can, Can you do that for me, Carl Anthony Towns? Can you get on the block Demand the ball from Jeff Teague. Demand the ball from Derrick Rose. Heck, demand the ball from Jimmy the Leader Butler. <laughs> and give me a nice, solid 35 and 10. Can you do that? Because when Jimmy posts up, he calls for the ball and gets it. Why can't you? I've heard the this is Tibbs' fault because he doesn't know how to teach offense. I've heard that by getting on the block, it wouldn't make much of a difference in this series. And I contested with this. While game two was quite the lopsided affair, game one was not. Game one was close the entire way through. This is with yep. James Harden cooking every individual defender that stood in front of him. <laughs> yeah, he cooked them. And yet, the story ended up being, where's Carl Anthony Towns? I asked the same question. Because Carl Anthony Towns would go, stand in the post, watch Jeff Teague wave him off, and stand in the corner like Keith Bogans, waiting for a three-point shot. Again, I say, and this public service announcement, Carl Anthony Towns, get your big butt on the block and dunk on Clint Capella. Throw it down, big man. Throw it down. Because Cat needs to just sign his game checks over to Capella. Yep. Give him all his money. And that that's more than anything in this playoffs. That's bothering me. The fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going down the way they are. Tibbs, yes, Tibbs is an offensive retard or call him what you want. (laughs) That's fine. But there are some things about basketball that are fundamental. Jordan, you and I have played basketball together. And when you see a large and talented man show up to the gym and he wants the ball on the block, you wave him off? No. 
He's he, you give it you give it to him because he's bigger than the guy guarding him. And this yep. has been happening all series with the Rockets. They switch everything. Screen roll, they switch everything because they know that Jeff Teague is going to wave off Carl Anthony Towns and Carl Anthony Towns is going to leave because he waved. Call for the ball and put whoever's guarding you because they're all smaller than you. Whoever's guarding you needs to be put into the basket stanchion watching you dunk. Ah, yeah. Um, wow. Where do I start? You, uh, you just, you just kicked down the door on this subject and I'm gonna just come right behind you. So first of all, I'm gonna get corny for a second. The man's nickname doesn't need to be cat. K A T. It needs to be cat C A T. Cause he's acting like a soft punk. I am so sick and tired of seeing this just discombobulated team try to piece things together. They have some of the best talent in the league. All assembled. I mean, think about it. They had some of the best talent leave when Zach Levine was on their team and Chris Dunn was on the team. And technically, they could have had marketing on their team. Like, this team is just not right. Something is off. You got Carl Anthony Towns playing like he's a point guard up top all the time. Go in the hole, like you said, dunk on somebody, even if it's Capella. Now, I will say Capella is not a pushover. Capella does his thing. He holds his ground. He's a very good defender. So if anybody's going to give Carl Anthony Towns a little bit of go on the defensive side, it's going to be Clint Capella. He brings it. He's an energetic uh, rebounder. He's a hustler. He, he knows what his skill set is. He's not uber-talented like Carl Anthony Towns, but he brings it. And Carl Anthony is not matching that same intensity and hustle. And, yes, Thibodeau is the dummy of dummies on offense, but I'm sorry. You yourself have all of the talent in the world. Like you said, the man, he has great footwork. And then I'm not even as mad at Carl Anthony Towns as I am at Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is another guy just wasting his athletic ability and talents away. I don't know if he's mad at the world because Jimmy came in and now he's taking my spot and now he's the number one guy and now I got pushed down to number three and sometimes I'm not even getting the ball at all. Shut up and play the way you know how. When you get that ball, you attack the rim. You jump over people. You shoot. You you do what you got to do. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy, yes, he is he is a a he is a dominant ball dominant uh a forward, small forward, and he does kind of change the dynamic when he came in onto that team. I agree. But make it work. Make it work. Look in Golden State. Look at how everybody's working together on that team. Make it work. Then you got D Rose who I personally am very happy to see that he's doing at least his thing. That's the only solace I take out of this, this series. Uh, but, man, I'm, I'm right with you. Carl Anthony Towns needs to just get his butt going, stop acting soft, get in the paint, push your weight around, and use your talents to your advantage. He has to. Yeah. And 
the Jimmy Butler thing, man, he he has disrupted this team a bit. Like I can't I wouldn't even compare it to K D going to Golden State. K D went to Golden State and he was willing to acclimate himself into that system because he saw that he wanted to play basketball that way. He honestly didn't care about the shine because he knew he would shine because everybody eats there. Jimmy Butler, yep. I'm sorry. Jimmy Butler doesn't want everybody to eat. Jimmy Butler wants to eat. And if you aren't as aggressive as possible, you aren't going to eat. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, you aren't going to eat. So what happens is Tibbs rewards aggression. Yep. He always has. He always will. He's going to reward the aggressive, the try hard. If you're giving it your all, that's what he rewards. So if he sees you slacking, if he sees you being passive, he's not going to reward you. And on offense, Tibbs kind of lets you go your own way. He calls a set and lets it go. It's like, hey, this is the set we're running, and whatever comes of it just comes of it. That's why you have so much isolation basketball with your point guard isolating up top, Derek shooting 20-footers, Jeff Teague taking fadeaway layups, Jimmy Butler taking one-leg turnarounds that are low-percentage shots, and, oh, my God, Gorgie Jang. (laughs) Watch for this if you have not seen it. Every screen roll, Gorgie Jang comes off the pick, receives the ball 18 feet away from the rim, and I don't care who is standing near him or away from him, that shot is going up. Yeah. This is a yeah. this is a very disjointed unit. I know they're the eighth seed. I know they should not be expected to beat Houston. But you know what I like to see in the playoffs? I like to see teams try. I like to see teams give a care. Give it their all. Hey, around and beat you. So, and I am not seeing that from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Here's here's what I need to see. You've already you're down to. No, you're probably not going to come back and win at all. But there has to be an adjustment made in game three. If they play the exact same way, then something is completely wrong with with the way Tibbs is coaching that team. If even if you're a, uh, an idiot on how to run an offense and you're just a defensive minded coach. At a certain point in time, you got to say, okay, these first two games on offense, that didn't go the way it should. I need to change something up. Hey, Carl, I need you to start beasting the post. We're going to start feeding you first, you know, in the a, in a, in a first couple of minutes and, you know, kind of run the offense through you. If you got to pass it back out because you're getting double teamed or triple teamed, you feeling the pressure, do that. Then set yourself back up, push your, your man back into the paint a little bit more and get the ball, receive it again, and go to work. You know, do something different. Start Derrick Rose. You already know I'm all for that. Start D Rose. Shoot, I don't care. Let the man eat. Uh, and then if, if if no adjustments are made, then you're going to see the same old thing you saw in game two. Carl Anthony Towns standing up top at the, at the three or just not in his comfort zone, not attacking, not demanding the ball. Th- those are the things I at least want to see. So even if you lose, okay, you at least try to switch it up and say, 
hey, we 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 need to learn from our mistakes in game one and game two, game three. We coming with a different mindset. We back at home. We got to do this right. It's called pride, George. Yeah. It's called pride. Secondly, I would like to issue a partial apology to all the Bulls fans of last year that I disrespected. <laughs> because apparently, playoff Rondo is an actual thing. I told you. Um, you're looking at a man who plays very inconsistent and mediocre uh, throughout the course of an 82-game season. And I think only one person possibly in the league could pull that off, and that's Rajon Rondo. And now it seems as if he has flipped the proverbial switch, and you're looking at, from what I've just seen, I do believe that Portland is now down three to zero. Yeah. Not just that. The whole Dame Lillard is underrated. Dame Lillard doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Here's my thing with Dame Lillard. I love him. The chip on his shoulder. The unbridled aggression with which he goes about playing basketball. But if you continue to sing that song and to cry that claim, you cannot come into the playoffs on an annual basis and fall short. Now, mind you, I know Damian Lillard has not had the greatest teams around him. In fact, the best chance he had at winning was when LaMarcus Aldridge was there, and that was his most memorable playoff moment when he hit the shot in Game 7 to eliminate the Houston Rockets. Mm -hmm. But that is the only playoff moment of note that Damian Lillard continues to carry on his resume. He has to beat the teams that he should beat. And this year, the New Orleans Pelicans were one of those teams that you and your backcourt mate, C.J. McCollum, should beat. Here's my question. Who else is on that team, though? Because, yeah, the backcourt is nasty, but they can do only do so much. And they're not the greatest defensive players. So they can eat on the offensive side, but it's feast and famine. You, 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 you gain something on, on, on one end of the court, but then it, it's pretty much backfiring on you on the other end of the court. They're undersized, and they don't play defense well anyway. So when you have a team that's ran by a, a very smart cerebral point guard who's had experience in this play, in the playoff moments, won a championship, been around top talent, knows how to utilize that talent, I mean – they're going to get exposed, in my opinion, anyway. I don't think Portland has a very well-rounded team from top to bottom. No, they don't. They don't. But when you sit down and you look at the two rosters and and you compare the two, Portland should reasonably beat New Orleans. Yusuf Nurkic is a very serviceable big who can give you, give you good, solid performance. From the five spot, you're talking about a guy who can give you 
14, 15 points a game and 8 to 11 rebounds a night. You know, that in, in combination with what CJ should be doing, what Lillard should be doing, and the production that you were getting in the regular season that should somewhat carry over to the playoffs from your bench, uh, this should be a far more competitive series than this. Yeah, yeah, but hey, when you got a guy like Anthony Davis, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that that's that's a that, I don't think you can match up with him. And then I, I do have to give props. Unfortunately, I don't want to, but I have to give props to Nico Miritich because seems like he cut off his beard and he's become Superman now. So he's doing his thing. I think he scored twenty one points in the first half of uh, tonight's game. So. I do have to say that they, they, they got that figured out. Rondo, Drew Holiday's doing things. So they, they, they got a they got a decent whip for now. Yeah, that's this will so last briefly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's um it's good to see. You know, I hope A D get does get his, his first series win. He's a game changer, man. I think by by him doing this I know the the team he's got around him is playing really well, but you know, as always, he he's the the lead dog. You know, with him getting out of this first round, it'll it will help his legacy a great deal and make propel him to greater things going forward. Once he gets that taste, the taste of winning. Here's another announcement or point concerning the playoffs I'd like to make. NBA. As I've always said uh, since, uh, well, not since he's been in the league, but maybe for the last 10 years, I understand NBA that you have a vested interest in LeBron James going to the NBA Finals. And never more than this season have those interests been put into jeopardy as displayed by game one against the Indiana Pacers. Can we not make it so blatant of a response from the NBA? And again, I, when it comes to this, I'm a conspiracy theory guy. I'm usually not that guy, but when it comes to number 23 in Cleveland, I believe the conspiracies. Can we not make it so obvious that you don't want LeBron James to be embarrassed? Yeah. LeBron James comes out and he plays fanatically. He plays like like a grown man in that first quarter against the Pacers. Yeah. And in the process of all of this, there was a flop that took out Indiana's best player, who also has been unstoppable in this series, Victor Oladipo. (laughs) And then in the second quarter, there was another let's call it flop, that resulted in a flagrant foul on Sabonis. I realize this is the best player in the NBA arguably today. But there are some things, and and call it what you will, I, I don't care. There are some things that just, to me, are just horribly obvious. Sabonis did not flagrant foul LeBron James. 
He didn't. He grabbed 80% of what he had was the ball, and he was trying to pull at the ball, and LeBron James fell to the floor like uh, uh, a weak-jawed prize fighter. Um, the screen that he tried to set on Oladipo, I weigh more than Victor Oladipo. <laughs> and LeBron James is roughly the same weight as I am, and taller, and more muscle. There's no way Victor Oladipo should blast through LeBron James like that. I say that to say this. The way in which he crumpled to the ground as if he was shot from a third-floor balcony was sickening to me. But, hey, it got the second foul on Oladipo. <laughs> yeah. And then, can, can, we, can we now confirm that the reason LeBron James has looked so wonderful on offense this year is because he wants nothing to do with defense. Can we confirm that now? Does he feel like because he played defense for 10 years of his career that five of these last years, he doesn't have to play it anymore? Apparently. The, or does he think that the occasional chase down block that he gets validates his defense currently? As long as there's a highlight of him blocking somebody from behind, then, yeah. Because Victor Oladipo went to the basket several times, and we've, you know, people have talked, and we've talked repeatedly over the course of the season about the fact that Cleveland Cav- the Cleveland Cavaliers cannot stop any interior penetration or anything inside the paint. Part of that is the fact that your supposed best defender, who really isn't anymore, also does not make attempts to stop anything in the paint. Yeah. But this is what you want in the finals. Now, there's still a chance that Cleveland could lose in the first round. They're going to Indiana, but I would not bet on it. Yeah, the refs are going to do everything they can to keep that game as close as possible and somehow allow LeBron to eke it out. Joel and B returned tonight. And boy, did he come back. I thought I saw Zorro out there. Who was that masked man? He had a a goggle mask combo. <laughs> that man had a swimsuit. Uh, swim. Sw- I don't know what that was. That dude. That was that was state of the art. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody can pull it off, it's Joel Embiid. And not only did he pull off the look, he came out and scored twenty three points and made. Big play after big play uh, throughout that game. Certainly now establishing himself, in my opinion, as the best center in the league. I don't consider Anthony Davis to be a true center. But Joel Embiid, to me, has established himself as the best center in this association. I would have to – I'm going to agree with that. I think he's 1A – to DeMarcus Cousins 1B. I, I think if DeMarcus was healthy, he'd be right there because they kind of have you know, similar games. They both can three. They have range. They can uh, pass. Uh, they run the floor well. They have very good post game. I think they have a lot to their game. Uh, I don't know. That, yeah, that, that, that would be up in there for me. I mean, either way, between those two, uh, I don't think you can go wrong picking one over the other, but uh, 
I definitely think he is a top big man. To close out, uh, one more topic just to dive into briefly, and that's the Chicago Bulls had their end-of-year presser um, last week. Mm-hmm. And they, they summarized basically the season and the direction they're trying to go into. And uh, we'll get more into this as uh, the postseason approaches for the NBA and draft season, draft lotteries come up, things like that. But in, in considering what Pac said, he said some very uh, pointed statements he made. It seems like he came and made a direct statement to Zach Levine's progress and or lack thereof. Yes. What, what were your thoughts on, on, on what Pax was saying and also on the direction of the Bulls this coming off season? Well, I was pleasantly surprised, first of all, of the just the overall press conference and how real he was, how straightforward and honest he was about what needs to be done, the 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 progress of each of those cornerstone pieces and what they need to do in the offseason, what they're looking for in the draft. And before I get into that, I just want to say I am so thankful. I'm going to throw a little bit of shade. I am so thankful that eggplant head Gar Foreman was not up there with them. I am so sick of seeing him. They've locked him away in some dungeon somewhere where all he does is just scout and do whatever he does nowadays because I wish they would have fired him a long time ago. But I'm just glad John Paxson has taken the true reins of of this whole operation. He's speaking, and he's speaking his own mind, and he's doing what he's got to do to get this team right. So with that being said, I think it was real good that he kind of came out and said, we need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Zach Levine himself has put a lot of expectations on his shoulders. He wants to be the man. He left Minnesota. He wants to be that guy. You know, they're they're trying to work out this this alpha thing now with him, Chris, and Laurie, but Zach has the mentality and the mindset, and he has the ability. He has the athleticism. He has the skills to be that guy. He just needs to follow through with it and become more consistent. That really is what takes a, a, a player from being good to great or f- from being a, a, a decent player to an all-star or superstar is are you consistent in your craft? Can you bring it every night in some sort of way? And so that's what Zach needs to do. I think he kind of got a little worn down from his injury and w- some other things, Nick's, that uh, happened at the end of the year. Uh, where he had to sit out. But uh, I believe over this this full off-season of training and resting and healing up his body, getting stronger and working on his game, I think he needs to come back and prove that he is not a max contract player, but a, a player who can get a decent contract, as he expects, and can, can uh, uh, back it up with his play. Now, with that being said, I think Laurie Markin is still the best player out of all three, and Laurie just kept bringing it. Even at the end of the season, you can tell that man was getting better and better, and it seems like he's he got stronger physically, and he 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 learned how to play NBA game, NBA ball. Uh, he was just a little bit soft at the beginning of the season, but over the course of the 82-game season, you could tell that he started to understand 
how physical he needed to be, how aggressive he needed to be. Uh, he understood the, the the screens and the sets and where he needed to be for shots and when to attack. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what his game, uh, uh, how his game uh, goes to the next level, how it, how it progresses. Uh, but uh, overall, I think John Paxson kept it really straightforward. Uh, what they what they want out of them, and then talking about they want a wing player in the draft. You know, my mind is automatically going to MPJ, baby. MPJ. He was seen with some Chicago Bulls gear on too at the United Center. I need that to happen. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, the recent talk of Mikael Bridges looking out the board, and I understand it. Uh, Villanova, Villanova product. But he still is inconsistent when it comes to creating his own offense. Um, yeah. And the way the draft looks to be shaking out, Michael Porter Jr. could drop. Now, I need those medicals to be rather conclusive, and and I need them to be on the uptick as far as his health. I know backs are nothing to play with, but I need that to happen. But I think of, of yeah. all the players, Michael Porter Jr. has the most potential to be an offensive dynamo. Um, There's some other guys with great skill sets. Uh, I think Aiton has a, a great potential to to be a good all-around big. I think Michael Porter just has that potential to just get buckets. So, you know, ho- hopefully everything, even for, for his future, everything clears with him. And uh, if he falls to the Bulls in a good health, uh, oh, yeah. Got to go and grab him. Now, my thoughts on Zach Levine are this. I, I've always liked Zach Levine. I uh, liked him yeah. even in UCLA when uh, Steve Alford was shortchanging him by playing his own son. But I think that Zach Levine, at best, is the second best player on a championship contender. At best. Um, yeah. As you point out, Lowry already is better than him. Lowry should already be option one. So even if you're talking about formulating a championship contender and you want to uh, get better by pushing the top down, um, so you are looking at Zach Levine being the third best player going forward on your team if you want to really contend. So if you can find a guy that makes Lowry your second best player, becomes the first best player, makes Zach your third best player, I think you're in good shape going to the draft. Um, Pax has always been an honest guy. I think the fact that he's had to backtrack and wipe up behind and clean up behind uh, Gar Foreman's uh, coded speech and utterly, on occasion, dishonest speech uh, has made him look worse. Um, Pax isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, um, but he 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 does want to win. But I just question at what cost he wants to win. But I, I yeah. think that he's always been pretty straightforward. Again, unless he just because Pax doesn't really want to be the GM and, and make any more of the personnel decisions anymore. He was backing Gar out of if. If he does it, I don't have to do it. 
So as a result of that, Pax found himself supporting the things Gar said, even if they were uh, utterly spineless and snake-like. Um, and hopefully Gar, I mean, Gar to me has, has been the the bane of this whole thing. Uh, if can, if he, if, I hate him. If there if there's a way to get him out of here, uh, it's going to be very difficult. I heard he's he's really in good with uh, Michael Reinsdorf, the new Bulls chairman. So you may there it is. You may not ever, you know, he's a, he's a politician. You may not ever get him to leave. But Pax taking the reins a little more is a bit refreshing. And now you you see and also hear an established and viable direction with the Bulls franchise. Yep. Love it. Well, that's going to bring it into our latest episode of the Stay Oz Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Stay Oz Podcast. That's our tag on Twitter. Uh, still, still teetering on the Instagram thing, but Twitter is is there. It's a it's a full thing. It's breathing. Uh, so if you want to get at the Stay Oz Podcast, you can. Uh, we'll be back next week. Next week is the NFL draft. Uh, so hopefully yes, you know, hopefully you can join us for the NFL draft talk. And maybe we can get some uh, some conversation happening right in the middle as things are taking place with the NFL draft. Again, I'm Chris. I've been with Jordan. It's been real, y'all. See y'all next week.